everyone. This is uh, another episode of Healthcare is Missing Link, a podcast where we help you uncover those things that are missing from your best health. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Sherwood, as always. And today I get the distinct pleasure of having a guest with me. She is a rheumatologist. She's an environmental specialist. She's an integrated medical medicine specialist. She's the founder of Smart Human, and she's written an incredible book that we're going to dive in and talk about today in depth. It's called Non-Toxic guide to living healthy in a chemical world. Dr. Ailey Cohen, all the way from Princeton, New Jersey. Thank you for being with us. Thanks, Dr. Mark. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's good to be here. Hey, uh, let's just dive right in. I mean, you know, and you talk about in your book, and I've read the uh, sort of uh, clips of the intro of the book, and I'm excited about this. Use the word non-toxic and how to live, you know, healthy in a chemical world. How toxic is this world we live in? You know, it's pretty daunting. Um, And I think that when I first got into this uh, topic, which was actually really serendipitous, um, I did a TED Talk on this on how I ended up in environmental chemicals uh, in terms of research and and trying to understand this world. Um, You know, I was pretty, it was pretty shocking, you know, to find out that we have almost 90,000 industrial chemicals, commercial industrial chemicals that are used in our cleaning products, in our personal care products, and they make their way in our drinking water, our food chemicals, um, our fabric chemicals, like flame retardant chemicals and non-stick and non-stain and non, non, non. It was so daunting that when I started out in this process, I thought, you know what, if I don't know this material and I don't know these regulatory mess ups, then I'm sure no one else does because God knows I was supposed to be in medical school and learn this stuff. Or even nutrition, as you know, is a big um, missing link in in education and medical education. But uh, I actually called it non-toxic. My partner, Fred Vomsal, and I came up with that because I wanted this book to be empowering. Mm -hmm. So as much as the topics can be daunting or a little bit more surprising, each chapter is laid out where you you hear about the problem, you understand the problem, and then you understand what to do about it. And so that's why I wanted the book to be empowering, um, to leave people with choices and actionable um, lifestyle changes that are just anyone can afford and anyone can do. Well, I'm excited about that. And, you know, just a little side question for you. You know, you mentioned 90,000 chemicals. That seems like uh, that word daunting. You put that minimum, and that's like amazing. But where is the Environmental Protection Agency in all this? Well, you know, we're really lacking in a lot of uh, oversight since 1938 when we had the Cosmetics Acts and 1976 with Toxic Substance Control Act. I mean, we really in this country support manufacturing. Uh, we, we look at, I mean, the government looks at these companies as um, having pri- proprietary formulas. Um, you know, you're not allowed to know what's in the word fragrance when you buy a personal care product. There could be upwards of 300 chemicals that can affect your uh, hormones, you know, as endocrine disruptors, which we can talk about. But the idea that in our country, we really don't support the, cus- the consumer. Um, we don't test chemicals before they are put into products, test them for toxicity, safety, and even in pregnancy um, for in utero exposure. And they go into products that we use every day. We lavish on our bodies. We use them in feminine care products internally in our bodies, in women's bodies. Um, We use them on our hair and our skin and we lay in them in our fabric. So, 
I think because we're so surrounded by them, I think we just have to pick away each issue one by one in a very non-frightening way, which is the way I needed to hear it through um, when I was learning this stuff. Um, and, And it's all doable. It really is doable. And studies show that when you make actionable changes um, and you remove chemicals, even certain classes of chemicals, pesticides from your diet, the numbers fall in blood levels and in urine levels. And we know that these chemicals contribute to a whole host of comorbidities, conditions that we now know, unfortunately, with even COVID-19 are a major risk factor. So the goal is to get people to get this stuff out of their lives uh, and hopefully reduce the, the risk of having any kind of chronic conditions. Well, Ailey, you mentioned the ubiquitous nature of these chemicals and, and they're just presence everywhere. I have heard, and I'm sure some of our listeners have heard, that they're even present in babies or even in umbilical cord. Is that is that true? Can you unravel that mystery for us? Yeah, sure. In 2008, the Environmental Working Group, for instance, um, did a study on 10 babies, and they looked at their cord blood, right, which is the cord between the mother and uh, the fetus when the baby comes out from birth. So they looked at this blood, which is, you know, you would think would be pretty pristine, considering we assume, you know, a mother's body really protects um, the fetus from many chemicals or at least any harmful stuff that may cross. And what they found is over 200 industrial chemicals in cord blood of of these 10 women. Um, And what it showed was really is that no matter how clean you may try to be at that point, you you know, maybe they were, you know, trying to eat cleaner or maybe they had air quality issues if they lived in, you know, cities or their home environment had air quality issues, whatever it may be, um, you know, we really just, um, you know, lifted the lid or the hood on the car to see what the mm-hmm. problem was. And I think people just really didn't expect to, to find out that chemicals, especially all these new chemicals since World War II, um, which exploded, you know, naugahyde, rayon, nylon, plexiglass, you know, all the pesticides after World War II, they all can potentially, and many do from research, cross the placenta into a growing fetus. Well, Ailey, how, how big a, I mean, you, you mentioned this, this problem. Um, I, I just want to, you know, kind of tell our listeners, you, you wrote this book for a reason. And, and I want to hear your take on what that reason is. What do you hope to really um, see people get out of this from a practical sense? Yeah, I mean, I think I was frustrated. I was frustrated because, you know, I'm a doctor, I'm an autoimmune disease doctor, um, and an internist, like I'm seeing more and more patients with autoimmune diseases coming through, I'm seeing younger patients with breast cancer, younger patients with thyroid conditions, many of these conditions are endocrine uh, system uh, specific. So in other words, we're now, we now find out that many of the chemicals, these 90,000 work as endocrine disruptors. They affect many of the important hormonal uh, activities of the body, be it fertility, uh, growth and development in utero, uh, cognition and brain development, um, genitalia and young babies, uh, newborns, um, also uh, osteoporosis, osteopenia and bone metabolism, obesity, insulin production and utilization. So all of these hormones that um, are so sensitive and vulnerable in the human body can actually be mimicked by many of these chemicals that we are exposed to. And I guess what it comes down to is I came from a place of frustration. Uh, Initially, my dog was ill, and you can hear this on the TED Talk, which I go into why I'm here. Uh, It was a story about my beautiful dog. 
but I think people understand that the learning curve was steep for me, even as a physician. So, you know, I, I thought that if I don't know this and I am shocked and I'm seeing all these patients that are younger and sicker, we really have to do something about this. We really need to think about this exposure issue, lack of regulation. And then most importantly, what do we do with it? What, what can we do about it? That's why it took several years to write this book, because I really want to pull in the best resources, the best, most practical tips, you know, refrigerator lists, tear off sheets, resources, tools, recipes for some detox stuff. Um, and, and that would empower people to take the subject that's difficult and actually put in, you know, make some changes. Well, I, I like how you're doing this because, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to get this book in your hand, period, in the story, because it's not um, a, 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 an if you're going to be exposed. It's actually as you're being exposed. So I want you to get this and make this one of these non-negotiable items uh, that you put into your life because it's got to be the same as just getting rest. You got to talk about protection. And you mentioned a lot, Ailey, of these common disease conditions that are common today that weren't common maybe 70, 75 years ago. And, you know, the autoimmunity, the uh, incredible endocrine disruption and this, this propensity we have towards this diabetes epidemic, if you will. Um, I, I think I know your answer on this, but what is your overall take on the status of America's health at present? Well, there's so absolutely people in America, um, around the world, but you could argue in America, you know, a little bit, maybe more than other areas, depending on the location, but we are a sick culture. I mean, we, we are a culture that's, that primarily, you know, eats quite a bit of, you know, fast food, processed foods with chemicals. Hey, listen, they're cheap. They're high calorie, but low nutrient, and they're available everywhere. And it's a challenge to be healthy. As you know, you actually have to work to be healthy in this country. Um, and that goes along with, you know, hours of work, multiple jobs that are people are working, health inequity, um, access to clean food, access to clean health, you know, to health education. Um, you know, we have environmental justice issues with downstream air pollution uh, or, or factory runoff. And so it's because it's such a, a really a broad topic that takes into account a poor healthcare system and, and everything. Um, I really, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where we have to empower the individual. And part of this book also was, you know what, we can't wait for the laws to change. Clearly, that's not happening. And many things have been turned back, even in, in the last decade, worse for us. We really need to think about what do we do today for ourselves, for our environment, uh, you know, our home environment, also for the out, outdoor environment, which is a, you know, part of this picture. Um, but what do we do on our own and being empowered? So, um, you know, that's another area is my mom always said to me, you know, don't wait for anybody. And, and I really, I really believe that. I think when you want to believe you want something done, you got to have to, you're going to move, you got to hustle and you got to get it done. So, um, so that's kind of where this came from. Now on that note, can, can, Anyone. I mean, you're you're a physician. You're very intelligent. You're very smart, and 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 everybody knows that at this point. Can anyone take this book? Anybody put it into practice? And if so, how easy is that? And what kind of uh, expectations should they have? 
So the answer absolutely is yes. I wanted this book, like, you know, I post for The Smart Human. You mentioned The Smart Human is my platform on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, thesmarthuman.com, and and hopefully soon um, uh, The Smart Human podcast, which is now up and running, but not as full uh, and has as much excitement as yours does. (laughs) We can only hope. Um, But, you know, the idea with um, that platform, The Smart Human, is, and with this book, is to really make it for everybody. Even people, believe it or not, I'm aiming for a population that maybe most people in the health and wellness world aren't even trying to reach. You know, the underserved, the sixth grade education and below, the people who actually may benefit most from this information um, in communities where they really need to understand clean drinking water and Mm -hmm. food quality. Um, And so the idea was to make it super simple for anyone to pick up. Each chapter is laid out with the topic, clean drinking water, food food and food chemicals, what to think about before getting pregnant and during pregnancy and with children, Um, detoxing naturally, nothing wacky, nothing fringe, using your own body's physiology as you're smiling. I know you get what I'm talking about. Um, You know, nothing that's a diet, something that's a lifestyle and understanding how, um, you know, putting these pieces into place little by little start to break down Um, In my experience, symptoms, illness, a lot of things fall by the wayside when we give our body nutrients. So it's kind of one of those things where each section is easy to understand and you can go to the resources at the end of each page and there's lists that are appropriate and websites that are working. And um, so, you know, I, I try to make it as simple as possible. Well, this book certainly needs to be in the hands of everyone. Um, And I think it, it bodes the question um, along the lines, you hear this myth or this urban tale that says perhaps, well, it's too expensive to eat healthier. In this case, it's too expensive to live more non-toxic. Is that true? Can, can we do this? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And so as an example, I'll just pull one out. Um, you know, for instance, food. Um, you know, the whole mantra that everyone has to eat organic, 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 believe it or not, that's wonderful if you can do organic, because again, that's fewer pesticides. And pesticides are endocrine disruptors, they have all sorts of health effects, um, which we go into in the book in a simple way. But you can also take conventional produce and, and, and fruit and vegetables and rinse them or soak them in one part white vinegar um, to three parts warm, clean water or a sodium bicarb or baking soda. Um, and you can also buy flash frozen organics at big box stores now. I mean, almost every major food chain now has their own line um, of organic frozen uh, produce and that is flash frozen. So essentially there's actually perhaps more nutrient value in flash frozen organic produce than there is even in fresh because fresh produce often has to travel a very long distance. Um, we're not even clear on whether the soil quality is up to snuff as we know soil is an issue. Um, and so yes, it may have less pesticides, which is fabulous, but it might have less nutrient value from just the travel and loss of antioxidants and other um, important um, um, nutrients. So, you know, I I say to patients, you know, and people, colleagues and smart human followers that, you know, you really can do this well. Um, You don't have to do it perfectly. You can do it well and still have great outcomes. Um, But there's a lot of guidance in making choices that are not cost, um, you know, prohibitive um, and, and really not, medical language or anything over anyone's head. Ailey, how tied 
are all these toxins, you mentioned 90,000, you've given us numerous examples of the ones that are hidden, perhaps non-regulated, perhaps really unknown in their um, effect long-term. How are these affecting our health trajectories in the U.S. and even abroad? So it's interesting. We, you know, we, we live in a country where there's so limited regulations, as I mentioned, that only five chemicals have ever been removed from the U.S. market. Wait, we, five chemicals? Five chemicals. That's it. DDT, PCBs, um, asbestos in certain form, formats, uh, in environments. Um, you know, it's, it's just... It's just remarkable. And when we look at Europe, you know, they have upwards of 1,200 chemicals that have been removed. They have a much more stringent regulatory system for chemical testing before it goes into the market. Um, Canada has been uh, very good at doing some of that as well. Um, California, out of our whole country, California leads the way, bold and, and fabulous, of having Prop 65 and different lists that, that kind of identify problems in products and chemicals and now even with cleaning products my understanding is that they're now you know uh, requiring um, you know people manufacturers of cleaning products to reveal the ingredients so you know I would look to California as sort of the leader in the United States but certainly Europe um, has been leading the way for some you know quite a while um, but again, you know, we live here, we have to make it work. We were not moving to Paris, although I'd like to some days, um, you know, we have to make it work. And so the way you make it work is you work with what we have here and, and there's plenty of good ways of workarounds for, for the lack of regulatory issue, you know, regulation in this country. So I have two questions. One is, um, on the, on the note of, I love your approach because you're saying, yes, we have a problem. Yes, it is. You've defined that. But but you're saying and correct me if I'm wrong. This is part one of the question. You're saying that, you know, yes, it's a problem, but let's focus on what we can do despite the perhaps inability to fix the problem. And the the other side of the coin is a different direction. You can answer this one second. But you mentioned five chemicals have been removed out of 90,000. I just, you know. What is your opinion, a speculation? I realize that, hypothetically. Why is that? Why is it so challenging here compared to other countries, per se, that you mentioned, Europe and Canada? Well, I think it's because the emphasis has always been on commercial and manufacturing companies having freedoms. Um, freedoms are great. We love freedom. This country is built on freedoms. But we also have to realize that with freedoms, um, in this situation has come with a lot of, uh, you know, less oversight um, than perhaps countries that are, are having less freedoms when it comes to certainly pushing out certain products to their market. Um, and these are the, these are the risk benefits of, of, of what we're managing. Um, you know, lobbyists, um, big pharma, big food companies, um, the plastics industry, you know, a lot of them are so powerful and have so much of their input into our um, Congress and, and our government that, you know, it's a very, it's an uphill battle. And, you know, I have colleagues that are, you know, like Ken Cook at Environmental Working Group is on Capitol Hill all the time. And we have, you know, enormous number of research colleagues around the world um, that do great science. And yet, you know, it, it's amazing how hard it is to get real science for people to listen to in order to make a benefit in terms of our, our, um, our regulatory system. And, you know, we had the Toxic Substance Control Act 
that was passed back in 1976 under the Ford administration, which was really, you know, a very beginning point to um, a lot of what they were noticing in terms of chemicals. But then, of course, um, it's been revised. It's been fought over. It's been, you know, it's gotten to a point where it's really kind of a worthless piece of legislation. And so um, waiting for that is, you know, waiting for Godot. So, you know, I say, let's keep going, making our own choices, knowing, you know, maybe who the resources are to trust, which we tried to vet out very carefully, um, and, and stick to the science, which is really supposed to help all of us. You are an autoimmune specialist, of course, as you noted, and certainly all of us in this space have noted over the last several years this, this incredible trajectory and climbing of these autoimmune processes and even some things we don't even know at this point, probably more we don't know than we do know as far as it's out there. Are these toxins tied to the increase in autoimmunity? So the answer, in my opinion, is absolutely yes. And we know this also from a lot of information from NHANES data, which is the type of data we look back over records um, from U.S. health surveys. So the CDC actually performs um, every two years a national health study across the country with 2,500 uh, Americans who give blood samples and urine and to go through a bunch of surveys. And we've been doing this for over two or three decades. So a lot of what our information in science comes from in the medical world comes from looking back at that data and understanding um, what those answers were back then and how things might have changed. So, um, you know, over time, we have seen that autoimmunity has increased over time. We do know that many of these chemicals, endocrine disruptors, as well as heavy metals and pesticides, other classes, um, do have an effect on the immune system. And we also know at a very, um, you know, physiologic level, for instance, you know, organs themselves get affected by environmental chemicals on an individual level, like the gut, like the gut microbiome, which can be wiped out with chlorinated drinking water or pesticides on food or stress, which is actually an environmental exposure, uh, yeah. along with poor sleep, you know, synthetic light, noise pollution. I mean, we have a lot of factors that affect human health. And, um, and so the answer really is not only autoimmunity um, has increased, and that's probably because of this lack of, um, as one aspect, the lack of the protective immunologic function of the gut. Um, but we also have these hormone-sensitive cancers now, increases in breast cancer, prostate, um, and a lot of that may be due from the, uh, the mimicking capability of many of these chemicals to work and disrupt and act as the receptors or block androgens in the human body. So there's a lot of aspects, but certainly the science is robust that autoimmune disease is on the rise and that we really have to pay attention to this. It's interesting, you know, you mentioned two different concepts of looking back. One is looking back at the effects of these toxic chemicals, which provide us data to probably pull out these five, and then looking back at trends that tell us something regarding these disease um, pathologies that continue to grow. Um, you're talking about something different in this book. You're talking about looking forward. You're talking about making changes right now and being proactive instead of maybe reactive or use a word that we're uh, familiar with the retrospective. You're, so you're, you're talking about making changes now, despite it all, right? 
Yeah, and I think that a lot of what I do in terms of education in high schools and the smart human and anywhere I have an opportunity, other doctors to show that there are so many great studies that showed, as I mentioned earlier, that when you make lifestyle changes, um, whether it's sleep um, and inflammation of the brain and and bloodstream, whether it's um, eating cleaner with less pesticides, measuring even migrant workers who are the canaries in the coal mine, we know that 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 population has higher incidence of a whole host of um, not only risk to chronic disease, but also their children in their homes actually have been found to have higher rates of um, uh, some neurodegenerative issues, or I should say, more like developmental issues. So there there are these you know um, almost obvious findings that we're seeing that exposure matters. And we also know that when that exposure is removed, that you can actually measure a a change in the physiology. Now, whether that plays out in in long-term disease or not, obviously there's a genetic component, there's lifestyle and environment. Uh, It's a dance between the three. But if you can control at least one part of those, um, you know, influences, which is what I look at, I say, you know, look, this is something you can't change your genetics, you can't change your in-laws, but you can, well, your outlaws, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Mine are okay, but I'm just, yeah. you, know, the, you know, the idea is that, you know, as, and I put the serenity prayer um, in the book on purpose, because I want people to understand that, you know, you want to work with what you can change. Yeah. And that is just so critical. And it is moving forward. Um, the whole, the whole point is that we have to keep going, keep moving forward and, and, and try to do the best we can for ourselves and our families. Cause you know, if you don't have your health, you don't really have anything, right? That's very true. In that serenity prayer, we've said that a lot. You know, God, give me the, the the grace to handle those things I can't change and give me the wisdom to deal with the ones that I can. I think yeah. that's super important. In fact, as you're saying that, I'm like, whoops, I better read it. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I think that's that's the difference between being throwing up your hands and saying, oh, this is too big of a topic. I can't handle this. Too many chemicals. Or, you know what, I can get rid of air fresheners. That's not so hard. And I may be able to afford that, you know, $300 reverse osmosis water filter because it might be better than, I don't know, maybe a pitcher filter or maybe I'll get the pitcher filter instead. We can make these changes. They do have longstanding benefits. Um, And I'm just trying to show people how to do it and give them options. So I am here. Let's pretend that I'm somebody that knows nothing. I, I, I don't know what I'm doing eating. I don't know what I'm doing drinking. I don't know what I'm putting on my skin. And I don't know what I'm breathing in the air. Um, get, I'm saying to you, because you, I know we're going to hear this, I don't have the money to do whatever. You know, that's excuses, but that's another topic for another day. So give me three things, three things that I can do right now and, and approximately how much that's going to cost me and what difference that's going to make. Well, I will start with number one, which will actually save you money. Uh, Love that. Good. So now you're pocketing money. I'm going to save you money right now with this one first rule. Don't buy junk to begin with. If you don't buy air fresheners, carpet powders, uh, fabric softeners, um, if you don't buy um, air sprays, uh, gosh, what are they, stain guard chemicals, Um, I mean, mostly all these junk chemicals that we were kind of built to believe we had to be cleaner and more antibacterial and have nicer lawns than everyone around us with the lawn chemicals. I mean, if you stop doing some of those chemicals and you don't bring them into your home, it's amazing how much money you save. I used to have a whole drawer 
of plug-in air fresheners. I mean, I remember taking a picture of this eight years ago being like, sun breeze, ocean breeze, raspberry. I'm like, it, it blows my mind where I came from. But, you know, again, you don't know until you know, and then you right. do better when you know. So that's number one. Okay. It's just really don't buy the stuff, bring the chemicals into your home. Um, less chemicals, not only for personal care, but cleaning products, baby products, all of that is always better. Um, second thing is I, I'm a big fan of clean drinking water. I think that that's so much, uh, so under, so misunderstood and undervalued, um, in terms of just body mass index and exposure that we really do drink a lot of water, even more so I would argue than, um, than food in terms of, um, being able to survive without water. You can only survive three days more or less. And with food, you can go a couple weeks. So we really need to think about, um, since our bodies are 80% water, more or less, how do we feed the most clean water to our bodies? Um, and that I would say is a variety. You have a variety of filtration options. We go through it in the book um, and give plenty of resources. Um, and so that's a really important topic for, for pregnant women, especially, but also young children and, and any household. Um, and then third, I would argue is possibly, um, you know, food chemicals, food quality, trying to stick with um, whole versions of foods instead of processed foods. Um, and, and I think that's just a really smart way to go, uh, because we do eat so much food and we, we rely on it, but we want to just have a habit of getting cleaner choices whenever possible. So there you have it from an expert. Number one, don't buy junk. That's the greatest thing. And, and I'll add one little tag onto that. Don't hang out with people that throw junk in your brain and in your ears either. I think that's important. Yep. Um, number two, you mentioned drink clean water and you give examples and guides and resources for getting the right filters. I'm assuming at a variety of prices and number three, eat whole food. Uh, I think you would agree with this. We have a saying that we use, if you can't pick it, pluck it, pull it, kill it, or catch it, don't eat it. Or spell it. Or spell it. That's but very that might good. be tricky because I never, I can never figure out tomato potato. I can never figure out the e. So, so maybe that's not a good one. But no, I think that's all really great information. And, and you know, keeping it simple, going back to the old days, um, cleaning with white vinegar and lemon juice and baking soda and sea salt for scrubbing. And you know, we give recipes for cleaning products and personal care products, natural, um, you know, deodorants and. It's just, you know, we're trying to bring people back to a place where you don't need all this extra stuff in, on, and around your bodies. Um, and I'm holding up the book now because you mentioned to do that. And so here is the book. It's called Non-Toxic Guide to Living Healthy in a Chemical World. And I might mention that my co-author is an incredible person, Dr. Frederick Bomsall. Um, he and his research colleagues, his work was primarily responsible for getting bisphenol A or BPA. Uh, which many people know from baby bottle, plastic bottles, uh, removed from the market in 2012. So he's really a bench researcher, old school emeritus, kind of brilliant guy. And I was just honored and humbled to work with him. So my clinical background, his research background, you know, I think we really put together something um, that I hope people will appreciate and, and, and really use effectively. Well, I know this book at the time of this podcast is being launched and I really want people to get out there, 
right now when you listen to this thing and, and get this, I'm serious. And you, you guys know, Dr. Michelle and I, we don't beat around the bush when it comes to lifestyle. That is a non-negotiable item that um, you owe to your spouse and those around you because you have a plan. There's a plan in your life. And if you begin to shorten that plan willingly, um, you're just cutting short the value you have for yourself and someone else. Now, Ailey, um, how would people get that book right now and how would they connect with you? Sure. So, so it's actually available. Our landing page for the book is actually the smarthuman.com. Um, where you can buy it from Amazon.com on a link or Barnes and Noble. And there's actually small um, independently owned booksellers, which I love to support. So there's a lot of options for getting the book from the smarthuman.com. Uh, again, you can also get it on, on the independent, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, but, uh, the smart human I post on regularly. And of course I'll be posting on this. I just did a few hours ago. Um, that's really kind of an ongoing feed nuggets of great information, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, and I don't sell any brands. I don't endorse any products. It's squeaky clean because I'm hoping to really get this into, uh, universities and high schools nationally. So I'm really trying to keep it legitimate and um and not bought so to speak um and my practice is in princeton new jersey which um you know anyone can reach out anytime the website for my practice is a l y cohen c o h e n m d dot com so ailey cohen md uh dot com so um yeah i'm i'm around we're all around now so you know let's be safe and healthy and uh you know and keep each other strong and we'll make sure, ladies and gentlemen, to put all these links um, right below um, the podcast feed, whether you're watching on YouTube, iTunes, or whatever platform it is. And, and I want you to really support this. Um, Ailey, hold that book up one more time That for those of that can see it. Non-Toxic Guide to Living Healthy in a Chemical World. This is proactive. This is important. This is step-by-step. Step. It's not hard. It's easy to understand. And I think that you've done a wonderful job, Ailey, of describing uh, what the book is, what your heart is mostly, and what your passion is, because it's genuine and it's real. And I know our viewers and listeners appreciate that. Um, with that said, um, we're here. We're listening. What are some words of encouragement you have for all of us right now regarding this topic you're so passionate and well-educated in? Well, I'm an eternal optimist. I don't think I have any other way to go. Um, and look, it's hard right now. You know, there's just so much in the world that just doesn't feel like it's working. And, um, you know, I'm hoping that this one piece um, adds positivity to the world. I'm hoping that this is a movement. I'm hoping that we take health into our own hands and we teach it to our young people who are most at risk as we move forward. Um, and, and I just believe that we can do this. Um, otherwise, I'd curl up in a ball and that'd be the end of it. But, um, you know, I, I really do see the value. I mean, endocrine disruption, this science had, you know, never made it to the forefront in all these 20 years and now it's hitting big. And so, it, you know, going green was never a topic growing up. That wasn't even an expression. And now these are like really common terms. And I'm, I'm hoping to make environmental health, which is how the environment affects human health, um, a common phrase in people's language so that they can really embrace it um, and really learn ways to improve not just our bodies, but even our environment. It's all tied together. Our, our oceans, um, our, our soil, 
Um, air quality, it all ties to human health. So we work with the nature of our environment and we need to uh, you know, work to keep both clean. Dr. Ailey Cohen, well done, my new friend. And I'm really grateful for you to uh, have joined us. Um, thank you from the bottom of my heart. This is tremendous. You've done a great job. I can't wait to get my hands personally. I'm going to have them on that book and I'm going to go through it and I'm going to put the things into practice that I'm not already. And I'm looking forward to learning some new things, of course. And folks, I want you to get your hands on that book. All the links will be present there and uh, contact Ailey, get in touch with her, um, connect with her smart, smart human, and uh, you'll be glad you did. Um, Dr. Ailey Cohen, thank you for joining us. I really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you for the uh, opportunity. It was a pleasure and you've been nothing but wonderful about this whole podcast event and support. So thank you. Well, I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, this has been amazing. Uh, I have been uh, inspired by this. I know you have too. Um, as always on these podcasts, I encourage you to subscribe to find out what's coming, who's coming up next. It is important because in all these podcasts, you can find things that are hidden, things that are uh, uncovered, that are stealing perhaps your best health. And I can't wait to see you next time on Healthcare's Missing Link.